Welcome to OTR, Over the Rainbow, Achieving Mental Health for Real. This podcast is designed to help with your recovery from any mental issue you are up against. The show strives to give you information that really, for real, works. The podcast interviews real people that have recovered or are managing their mental health. We also talk to people that offer suggestions and coping mechanisms you may want to try. Bob Adelman, the host of OTR, shares his 50 years of struggles with mental illness and the techniques of recovery. He is still on his journey, as you can hear in the episode, called Perfect Storm Fighting Demons. So, help him fight this monster called mental illness and the stigma that goes with it. Hi, it's Bob Adelman, and welcome to OTR. Last week, we tried to do a little experiment on YouTube. Uh, There was an overwhelming response. I'm still holding out whether we want to do another one. Uh, If you want me to do another one, go to to the channel. It's in last week's uh, write-up description. And... Subscribe, and if I get enough subscriptions, we'll go with another one. Um, Other than that, we'll just continue with the way we've been doing it on the podcast. Today we have a really good show, though. Uh, I met a woman named Jane Campbell. She's from Jamaica. That's why we call it the Island Girl. She had a lot of really good philosophy about how to handle anxiety and depression. Russell talked about how Jamaica has very little help for people that are depressed or any kind of mental illness. So it's going to be a really good show. It's a little long, but it's worth it. So here it is. Hi, Shane. How are you? Hi, Bob. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well. Welcome to OTR. Thank you. Uh, it's great to have you. And could you uh, give a little introduction? Yeah. Awesome. All right. So I'm Jamaican born and raised, right? I'm an island girl. I grew up in a single parent home. So my parents were married for 13 years, but by the time I was born, things were rocky. So they went through a divorce and I grew up with my mom and a lot of transitions happened during that time, right? My siblings and I, I'm the last of three. We were all going to private school. And then with the shift in the family dynamic came a shift in finances and then a shift from private school to public school. Um, But throughout that time, you know, my mom reinforced some great values, um, high self-worth. The home environment was one where a lot of love and support, a lot of um, positive reinforcements were were were, you know, the norm. Uh, I consider myself to be uh, an ambivert, uh, which is an extrovert and an introvert all in one. And yeah, I say that because, I'm similar to that. <laughs> yeah. Growing up, 
I was very extroverted. Like I was on mm-hmm. the extreme. I made friends easily. I spoke to everyone or I was a comfortable being by myself. I was very confident. Self-awareness for me started super early. So I was always journaling. I was always connected to my feelings. I always, you know, was intuitive, was very emotionally connected. Mm-hmm. I was a smart. I was always in the leadership position. I was like your typical alpha girl out there mm-hmm. <laughs> as part of my childhood. Gotcha. And I knew how to be the life of the party. And that was reinforced at home positively. Great. And so all throughout school for me, it was an amazing experience. Like I got to represent my school, my, you know, in Jamaica, we have parishes instead of counties or states. So I represented my parish on the national level. I represented my country on the international level in various spaces Um, I always got awards, whether it was for academics or just for a performance, just for, you know, the way I would represent myself and and whatever institution I was also a part of. Mm -hmm. And it was awesome. And then I got pregnant um, (laughs) in college. It was the end of the first year. And going into my second year, and I was, you know, entering a beauty pageant. I wanted to be a part of the Miss Jamaica World franchise. Mm -hmm. And upon going in, I realized that, okay, I'm going to have a baby. Mm -hmm. And things changed for me at that point. You know, I was 20. I was unmarried. I was in college. I was, you know, broke. I didn't have a job. Mm -hmm. And society for me kind of showed its true colors. So to backtrack a little bit, my mom is a pastor and Jamaica is a country where we're 99.9% Christians. Mm -hmm. But a part of that comes with being super religious. So there are certain things that's expected Mm -hmm. where, you know, you need to be in married and have your children in wedlock you outside of that you are kind of ostracized Mm. and it's a situation where you kind of set up set aside um you know you become the black sheep of the family essentially Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the community that i come from my family is very affluent we're very well known Mm -hmm. and even though my mom was a single parent that a lot of her validation as a parent came through the success of her children. Mm-hmm. And so me having a child outside of wedlock while in college, while not having a job, um, I remember one of the first things that she said to me was, I was not thinking about how this would, this decision that I'm making would reflect on her mm-hmm. and how people would see her. Mm-hmm. And that kind of struck me. And so even though I met my husband at 17 and we've been together for 13 years at that time, it was rocky. Um, You know, we're both young, we're both in a vulnerable position and yeah, I, 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 it made me feel like an immense amount of shame Mm -hmm. and coming from the childhood, you know, where I was accustomed to always 
you know, feeling as though I'm bringing pride to my family and bringing, um, you know, a, a reason for us to feel as though we're successful. Like we have a very small, tight-knit family for it to come out that way. Um, it felt, it felt, I felt ashamed, really, yeah. really ashamed. And I started to shrink and that was new for me. So it was like a downhill from there. I, I cried every day. I felt like I needed to hide. How old were you? Uh, I was going to ask you how old you were when you uh, came to the U.S. And how old were you when you started having anxiety and depression? So I didn't come to the U.S. until recently, like maybe like four years ago, 2016, five years ago. Okay. Is your husband from the U.S.? Yes. Okay. No, he's Jamaican, but he migrated to the U.S. and then did the process for me. Okay. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, No problem. So, um, at that time, I, you know, I was, I was crying every day. So we were, I was in Jamaica. Um, we were in college, so I would stay on dorm instead of going back to my hometown. I stayed in Kingston on dorm and was pregnant there mm-hmm. and just found a way to, you know, soothe myself. So in the daytime, in front of everyone, I would try to be my best self. I would be joyful. I would be jovial. I would give jokes. (laughs) I would just Mm -hmm. be the life of the party. But when I got back to my room at night, I was just bawling my eyes out. It was terrible. I felt like I was driving on a highway and in a moment's notice, my car stopped. Mm. And everyone else's was zooming past. Yeah, I've been there. Huh. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I didn't want to go home because of that stigma, of this feeling as though, okay, the eyes that are watching me right now, they're watching with disdain. They're watching yeah. with so much like judgment for a decision. Granted, like I'm not a kid, I'm I'm an adult. And mm-hmm. so, you know, one would naturally say, okay, what's the big deal? But just coming from that space, it's like it's ingrained in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you feel that your mother kind of rejected you at that point? Oh yeah. Okay. Like you became estranged? I became estranged. Like we yeah. we didn't we didn't talk. Like she would call only to ask me like if I ate. So did you eat today? Okay, bye. So right. it wasn't. I think a part of her was grieving. Right. Um, what she wanted for me, or what in her eyes, um, I would have become, and I think that that's natural as a parent. So the moment you realize that you're going to be a parent, you start envisioning what your child could look like or what they could do, sports they would be involved in, the activities that they would do. And some parents never let go of that. And Mm. so their kids are forced to kind of bring that to fruition. Mm. And that's natural. The expectation is natural as a parent, but I feel like it's more important to balance the reality so that, mm. yes, you want your child to be all that they can be, but they have some autonomy over that as well. Right. Uh, so she she wanted you to play in some kind of sports? 
no, she wanted me to, you know, join the pageant. Um, oh, the, the what? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah finish yeah. school, get my master's, mm-hmm. get a high paying job, uh, you know, elevate. Which and then nothing you just is hit her with that. the. Then you hit her with the baby. And exactly. Get married, have you like a grand wedding, and then and then have a kid. Right. Did your father get involved in any of this? No. So when my okay. parents divorced, uh, my father moved away, I see. and you know had a, another family pretty much. So he wasn't as involved in just the rearing of us as kids. It was mm-hmm. just my mom. So, yeah, that's a, you know, it's always bad. It's always good to have both your parents. Uh, it's always good to have yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. You, you mentioned earlier that you had anxiety and depression from this. Uh, how, how bad did it get? Oh, it, it, so I would say that throughout um, high school, no looking back, um, I would have had like bouts of times when I was feeling a little bit more than just melancholy. It was like some extreme sadness. I would like curl up in a ball and sleep, but it was, it was like spurts. It wasn't necessarily um, consistent until I got pregnant. So in that moment, you know, some of that, whatever it is that I felt that I was doing wrong, I just internalized it like mm-hmm. deeply mm-hmm. and plunged into depression where, okay, my form of depression wasn't one that was what was, you know, advertised when you have like those, <laughs> those medication that will help mm-hmm. you to mm-hmm. all day typically stereotype that mm-hmm. mine was, okay, I am bringing joy to others, even though I don't feel joy. I, in in open spaces and crowd, if you need me to present, if you need me to perform, if you need me to have a conversation, if you need me to motivate you, I can do all of that. But can I do the same thing for myself? That's one of the issues with people that have depression, that they can fix everybody except except themselves. Everybody. And I, and I needed to feel needed in that way. Mm-hmm. And so when it was time to go, when I was by myself, when it was time to go to my room, my corner, I was a hot mess. I was, mm-hmm. all I was doing was crying. Mm-hmm. And so for those nine months of pregnancy, I cried every day, oh every single day. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it was like wailing wow. because it was just so uncontrollable. Mm-hmm. And then seven o'clock in the morning would come up and I would step out of my room and there would be a bright smile on my face. <laughs> and there would only be like one other person who could hear me in the night. So in the morning, she would check in. She'd be like, Shana, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And I would always be okay. This is but a friend in- of yours? Uh, a close friend? Yeah, it was a close friend. Um, we were neighbors in dorm. Um, and she would, we would call each other by our, our room numbers. So I was oh, okay. B7 and she was B8. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so she would just slide a note under my door. She'd be like, if you don't want to talk, we can just order pizza. Okay. Or, you know, that was our code 
way to communicate with each other because she also understood she battled with depression mm-hmm. as well. But hers was more front-facing than mine was. Gotcha. So we were able to connect that way. Okay. Um, and and how, how did your husband uh, handle your depression? You- that's a really good question. <laughs> so support in, in Jamaica, when it comes to manhood and display of manhood, support is not something that's considered a part of the package. Mm-hmm. It is considered more feminine. And if it's a situation where you need to display the most masculine part of yourself, um, this is not how you do that. Mm-hmm. So initially, um, he understood like, okay, well, you're crying because there is an interruption in your life and what we thought it would look like. But then after a couple of weeks, um, I remember vividly, it was more like, babe, I don't understand why you're crying. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to support you here. Yeah, My wife was the same way. She didn't know what to do. She was like, I don't believe you. Um, exactly. You're, you're a baby. You're making things up. And there was no validation at that point. Yeah. Since then, I have learned exactly what my problems are. Yeah. But they still are not really accepted by my family. My children don't want to accept the fact that sometimes I don't understand what they said. I forget what they said. I wasn't paying attention. Mm. They still get very angry at me for those things. So that's a solid point that you just raised. And I only learned something, I would say like a year ago, where sometimes you would, you'd feel a certain type of way, but you're unable to have Mm -hmm. the right vocabulary to explain that. And if you hear someone say something, if I hear someone say it, I'd be like, that's how I feel. That, I, I get that. But because we grow up most times with very limited range of the emotional charge, you're either happy or you're sad or you're upset. That Those three points are like kind of some extremes. Like there is embarrassed, there is lonely, there is, you know, so many other ways to express how you feel, but we typically only focus on happy, sad, and angry. Yeah, and that's and that's really not good for exactly. you. I mean, if you go out and say, okay, I'm happy, and you're not happy, that's kind of the worst thing you could do for yourself. Exactly. Really what you need. Did you get counseling at all? I never started therapy until, I would say, like three years ago. When I realized that, you know, okay, I'm not equipped to, to really raise a daughter and be a wife in a marriage. And Mm -hmm. it started to kind of show up in different ways. So I want to backtrack a little bit in terms of um, my experience with, with depression and anxiety. So depression, I kind of did one, then the other. So depression was my first experience. And then after the baby was born, like 
it, it, anxiety showed up. <laughs> you think it was a, a postpartum? Yeah, so postpartum yeah. when it was, okay, I was now alone. I now have a kid that I can't give back. Um, mm-hmm. I have to be there present 100% of the time, and I have no idea what to do. So it would show up in, like, sweating. My palms could fill buckets with the amount of sweat. Wow. My pit sweat, it would drench my shirt. My, oh my, my crutch sweat would come through my pants. I wow. was just, it was bad. Like, the moment that's I left the room without my child, that's it. I would go through the day and I would just always be wet in extreme intense, just sweat. And it stress wet never smells nice. That's how you felt the anxiety. You felt anxiety through sweating a lot. Yeah. Because kind of getting what hot flashes and stuff. My my anxiety is high functioning. So I would still get the job done. I would still, you know, go to work. I would do a, a bang up job at work. I would be, I had three jobs at the time. Um, I would go to school. I would get A's. I still had to go back to school and finish my degree. So I had an opportunity to do all of that. But if you touched my palm, they would be ice cold and wow. they would be wet. And if you touched my shirt or if you gave me a hug, I would be, your clothes would be wet. And I didn't know what that was until probably a year later when that now changed into like extreme heart pacing. Like my heart would race. It was constant adrenaline rush. A panic attack, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what steps did you take? Did you take any medical steps? No, unfortunately, at the time, you know, I wasn't aware enough to know that I needed help mm-hmm. and that I the help was available. So right. it, that awareness for me came when I started therapy. But I was forced in a situation where I, I finished school. I had one year left. I finished school. Uh, I couldn't get a job. And I was at home by myself with a child. And that's where, like, rock bottom hit. That, that's exactly what this show is all about. Mm-hmm. Informing. Because when I went through my depression, this was before it was kind of popular. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. I thought I was done. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going to just say, go into the mental institution mm-hmm. and just stay there. Because you're you're a basket case, Mm -hmm. which I was. So um, it's very important, and that's what my mission is, to get out to everyone that there's help and you can recover. Mm -hmm. You just have to go after it and and do it. We kind of – strength is is a very unique word, right? It's very simple, but displays of it can be complex. Because oftentimes we believe that people need to be silent sufferers. And I kind of felt that way. So I knew something was wrong, but, you know, I already brought shame to my family in this way. And I was definitely dealing with the consequences of that. And so how dare me 
now say out loud that I need more help. You need more help. Aren't you know, aren't we already helping enough? And that's how I felt about it at the time. But you weren't getting very, except for your neighbor, you were getting very little support. Very little. You said your mother cut you off. Your your uh, husband didn't really understand. Uh, that's really terrible. I mean, uh, you needed probably counseling at, at the very least. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's groups that are out mm-hmm. there. Um, you, need, you needed to get help at that time. I did. And... and- it was like like I said because mental issues in Jamaica are rampant, but it is also taboo. And Everywhere. so, if it's a situation where people don't even want to acknowledge that, so it's either you are mentally fine or you're in a, a hospital. There's no middle ground. Okay. There's no preventative mm-hmm. measures that are put in place to help to check in on, on wellness, to help to spot some of the early signs, to help to prevent um, whatever hormone imbalance, if that's the case, or whatever um, support that you need to kind of heal and, and, and vent and, and find healthy ways to work through your emotions. There's nothing like that that's present. Like in the episode to, uh, tomorrow or Sunday, we're going to go over how to worry less. Mm. And mm-hmm. I think that everyone needs that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also have other people that come on that give excellent tips mm-hmm. on what you really need. Um, I know personally, I it depends on the day, but I'll get demons that are kind of telling me you can't do something. Mm. They keep hounding at me saying, you can't do you can't do the radio show you can't you're you're a basket case you can't do anything and i suffer from that mm-hmm. on a daily basis i i mean i'm 100 percent better mm-hmm. than i was i mean i was the guy in the corner just curled up in a ball mm-hmm. and now i'm fully functional and you know I, I i'm trying to improve myself even more by getting off of some of the the medicine and you know it's a tough time, but um, it is. I understand exactly how you felt at that time where you had nobody to really go. To. I appreciate that. That's terrible. Uh, for me, uh, what helped a lot. So how I, I kind of got out of it and kind of was able to get my head above water. Um, I started journaling. I, I, like mm. I would always have spurts you know, from childhood where I would journal and stop or try to write everything that happened the entire day, which would then take the entire night. (laughs) Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. I started to just write simple things. That's that's a very good thing because one of our guests said that's all he used to Mm -hmm. do. Like he would pick up a a journal and write in there. Nobody ever saw it. Nobody ever Mm -hmm. read it. But he would get therapeutic help through that. Yeah. Sometimes it would just be one line. Sometimes it would be 10 pages. Sometimes it would be a drawing. But Mm -hmm. it gave me a place that was mine that I didn't have to show up for anybody because I'm used to showing up. And I was able to just be present with myself. You could be yourself. A lot of my validation came through 
my accolades, the awards that I would have won, um, how, you know, having a strong presence, how whenever we entered a room, how that would change the dynamic of the room. But Mm -hmm. here I was in a position where, okay, it was like isolation. It was isolation with myself. And then knowing that, okay, I have to show up for myself in order to show up as a parent. And you you came from a country that sounds like it has absolutely no help for people. Oh like no, yourself. no. Yeah. Um, yes, of course, there are psychologists and psychiatrists that exist, and um, there is a mental institution, but right. there are measures that are needed before you get to that point. There There's so many people that I talk to that have some of the worst conditions, and they get better. Uh, there's a, a person that wrote a book called Crossover. He had bipolar one, which was awful. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he thought he was talking to God after time. Mm-hmm. And right now he's, he's doing great. He, he got on the right medicine. Mm-hmm. He got on the right food. He got on the right exercise program. Because mm-hmm. these are the things that help you mm-hmm. if you exercise mm-hmm. and eat right. Oh, that's great. I agree. Um, so for me in particular, like by the time I, I started journaling, um, I got a lot of release. But then a part of that was rebuilding my in my self-worth, like from the inside. So instead of it being mm-hmm. only externally validated, I had to then mm-hmm. build trust for myself, mm-hmm. build up my own right. self-worth. So it would start Very from simple point. things like, okay, today I'm going to have two glasses of water. And as simple as that sounds, some days it would be the hardest thing to do. I would get through mm-hmm. the day and not drink two glasses of water. And so mm-hmm. it took time to say, okay, I did this today. What else can I do? And I started to kind of trust myself, trust, keep the word that I make to myself as a way to, one, just kind of, you know, be able to, exist in a way mm. that was authentic for me. It, it made me realize that, okay, I know what abundance feels like. I know what having abundance in self-value feels like. I know what having abundance mm. in confidence feels like. I know what having mm. abundance in the way I, I show up feels like. So that's my default. So even though I'm feeling this way right now, where okay, I'm, I'm not feeling my best self. I am having thoughts that are, you know, detrimental to my health. Mm-hmm. I don't have to stay here. That's, that's, I can choose to work at getting back to that point of abundance. No, the work right. will look different because it's no longer going to be externally validated. It's going to come from inside. So you're going to have to do some work to get there, but it it's is possible. Work. Oh, yeah, it is possible. Uh, Like I said, I was so terrible. And today, I have happy moments. Mm -hmm. It's, like, amazing to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I always talk about this artist called NF. People are sick of me talking about him. I actually got concert tickets to go, and I'm super excited. He weighs out mental issues, and he expresses them so eloquently Mm. that it it helped me so much 
Because for the first time in my life, I said, wait, maybe I'm not the only one. Maybe I'm mm-hmm. not the only weirdo mm-hmm. <laughs> out there. And, and, and he comes out and says, oh, I'm the outcast. I'll be I, the outcast. I'm the lone wolf. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm the person who is like, okay, well, I'm friends with everybody and I still feel alone. Oh, yeah, you could feel lonely in a crowd. Yeah. That's, that's a terrible feeling. Um, but so right now, I feel like I understand my problem. Mm-hmm. And that's the first step mm-hmm. to try to understand it. Then, like you're saying, and like you're saying, you have to have get your own self-confidence. You have and to. That's very, you have to. Self-awareness, like, there are levels to it. it. It's a situation where, okay, the moment you feel like, okay, I solved this problem or I've worked through this and you're going to get tested and the tests are going to keep coming until you pass. Um, the moment you're you right get about through that. it, though, you have unlocked another lesson. And right. so for me, especially as a parent, especially as one who is committed to being present, um, that takes a lot of work. I only have one child and I feel like I that have a million because it's the work that I need to do on myself to ensure that whatever I'm sharing is something that my daughter can be like, oh, I see my mom doing that, as opposed to just right. telling her. Um, it's a world of a difference in between those two spaces. And if I am not in a position where I can help her to foster some of these things in a healthy way, then like, I don't want her going through what I did. I don't want her no. being in a position where she needs to reform her vision for herself in the way that I did. It's a rite of passage for everyone, but it doesn't sure. have to be that painful. Um, right. th- that process has some suffer. scars, you know, that are deep, deep, deeply entrenched. There's there, there's a lot of suffering. Yeah, uh, there is a lot on all these problems. Everybody thinks they can't get better, but they're wrong. Uh, you can get better. Mm-hmm. You have to keep going, and you have to keep trying. Mm-hmm. And this is the message. I don't have a commercial ever in this show. My message is. Let's get better. Let's all get better. Because, of course, it's a crisis in the U.S. as well. Mm-hmm. That came out with the COVID-19 mm-hmm. virus. Mm-hmm. Everybody had to stay home, be with their family. And a lot of people just got driven nuts. And it shows how much of of us are masking. Like oh, yes. How oh, many yes. of us are, haven't spent time to just be. We're not grounded. Right. We're no. not in tune with what's going on internally, but if we, ha- as long as we keep moving, we feel as though we don't have to think about that. But it 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 catches up to you really quickly, yeah. and I, in the worst way. I do find sometimes that if, if you do have a bad thought and then you go and do something that you need to concentrate, that it does help you at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you could change that, just change the thought. That's the best way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult. Very, uh, very difficult. It sounds like you did a, a good job, a great job. And do you go to counseling now or any group training? Yeah. So I started counseling in 2018 when I hit a wall with parenting. 
And I realized that anger, or like I grew up in the days of spanking. So mm. <laughs> you definitely get your butt whooped if you did something yeah, or even if you did nothing. And so I initially started raising my child that way. Where, okay, she would do something and she gets spanked. Until I realized that she started to be deathly afraid of me. And I recognized that I did not want that. I I didn't want a child, my child, to be afraid of me. I didn't want her, because of that fear, to not tell me stuff or for me to miss out on important key moments in our life because of that fear. And I, I spent a minute, like probably like two or three months with myself trying to think through how to do that. But then I realized that you can't think through something that you don't have a skill set that you don't have knowledge that you don't have. And that's when I sought therapy Mm-hmm. So that I could get some, be equipped. Mm-hmm. And that meant that, okay, I had to work through my personal issues all over again and, you know, rehash them all over again and remove whatever power I gave them over dictating how I lived my life all over again so that I could show up in a way where uh, a uh, disciplining my child did not mean physical action. It meant having the conversation. It meant providing understanding. It meant positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement. Exactly. I didn't know uh, what that meant until 2018. Right. You have to tell your children, you did that well, mm-hmm. not the opposite. You did, you did that badly. Mm-hmm. When, they, when they perform... When they do good things, mm-hmm. you tell them mm-hmm. that's very good. And apologize. Yes. Apologize. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever heard an apology from my mom. Um, you know, you even won't. if she was wrong, it was more of like, well, you're hungry. <laughs> you cook something, but never say the words, I'm sorry. And do you get along with her better now? or I'm sorry? Do you get along with your mother better now? Oh, you well, so even that process, I had to have what I call a big woman, a big woman, mature conversation with my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever when I started going through this therapy, because a lot of my issues stemmed from you know how I you know thought that she saw me and mm-hmm. how I saw her, mm-hmm. and that caused a block. So imagine trying to mother a child, but you don't, you don't have that connection with your own mom where you have that immediate point of reference. Mm -hmm. And I was forced to have a conversation with her where I would say, you know, mom, like this happened. Um, This is how it made me feel. And also give her grace, right. To know Mm -hmm. that she wasn't necessarily equipped. She, in her mind, she was doing a better job than her mom did. And she was because she took it a step up. But for it to get to that next level, it required a skill set that she did not have. And And so we had that conversation as adults 
And, you know, she, most of the time she was like, look, I didn't even, I don't even remember doing that. I didn't even know that it made you feel that way. I didn't, that wasn't my intention. Of course. And we were able to kind of heal. And of course, that's a work in progress because you grow up with certain values and morals and change doesn't come easy because the moment you're accepting change, it means that whatever you grew up knowing, you have to now be open to letting that go. And mm-hmm. that can be hard if that's something that you use to determine your identity. Exactly. So I mean, that was a challenge in terms of saying, okay, that's not the only way that you can do that, though. Right. Would you be open to doing it this way? And yeah. phrasing, words, I've learned that so much that language is important mm-hmm. because if, you, if you're saying to someone, that's not the right way to do it, their response is always going to be defensive. Yeah. If you say to them, oh, you know what? Would you, I, I, I like where you're going, but would you be open to doing it this way? Then right. you give them the opportunity to make the decision, but you did your obligation, which was That's an to excellent offer point. that solution. I mean, that is exactly spot on. Um, my biggest problem was when I was working, I did computers. I could not express my knowledge because there was a lot of intuition involved. Mm-hmm. People with ADHD have intuition. And it was like, I can't tell you why it'll work, but I, I can tell you why it won't work. Mm. And my communication skills are terrible because of that. Mm-hmm. I cannot tell people, here's how it's going to end up in the end. Mm. They don't believe me because mm-hmm. of what you're saying. They, they, they get defensive. Mm-hmm. So it becomes very difficult to... Uh, and that's, that's a work in progress. That's a continuous work in progress because... Oh, it is. Even outside of, um, you know, my relationship with my daughter, which I treasure, um, being a wife, like, that's a different level of communication (laughs) with your husband um, so that you can, you know, you guys can be on the same page. You can resolve conflict. And that's like two lives that are continuously trying to become one that never changes. The work never stops. So that communication aspect, like I constantly, um, I'm battling in my mind, like going back and forth. Okay. Am I saying this the best way? What's the best way to say it? And sometimes it means, you know what? Let me sit on this for a little bit. Let me think about it. Um, let me not be forced to respond right away because I may not respond in the best way. And even communicating with myself, I've taken that approach where I allow, to some extent, my mind to go wild um, because it means that I'm not containing myself in such a way where I feel like I have to be regimented in the way that I think. However, I after I filtered out, because I'm an overthinker, after I filtered out all of the negatives and I've allowed myself to eliminate them, I can come back to, but Shanique, you're awesome, but you're amazing. Like, you you can't mess this up. This is how it's supposed to go. Um, so trust yourself that you're making the right decision. Yeah, you're a step ahead of me because, or two steps, because I still suffer because I know that I make a lot of mistakes. I know that I do things wrong. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad about it. 
And it's yeah. hard for me to turn it around and say, mm-hmm. okay, you screwed that up, but that's okay. You're okay. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult for me to convince myself that I'm not a jerk. I'm not rude. I interrupt people because I have a problem. Mm-hmm. They're recognizing when, you know, someone's finished. I have these issues that the world doesn't understand and doesn't oh, want, I have those want too. to understand. Yeah. <laughs> The world doesn't want to understand it. They yeah. they want to live in their in their you know uniformity society. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and everybody's put a, like cookie cutter. And you have to you have to give yourself permission. Like yeah. I gave myself permission That's to great. do that. And usually, um, like growing up the way that I did, everything that I did was to make my mom proud. And unknowingly, I had given her permission to tell me when it was okay when to do something, to tell me when it was okay to feel a certain type of way, to tell me when it was okay to make a change. And so if I never felt like I got that approval, I would never do it. And it wasn't until I became a parent that I was like, no, but this is, this is my child. Like... I can't go to my mom every time I need to do something. I have to, I'm forced to trust myself. I know that I'm doing the right thing for my child. I know that she's going to be okay. I know that, okay, she's going to be healthy. I know that I'm going to be able to provide, even if I don't see it right now, that I started to take back some of that power. And so even now, as I'm raising my child, I would tell her, I'm like, no, you got this if I see her getting flustered. So her response, you you have fight and flight, of course. Those are typical Mm -hmm. responses that you'd hear about. But she freezes. So when I see her start freezing up, I'm like, no, Ma, you got this. It's okay. I I do that also. Yeah, you can do this. So I remind her that I've given her the permission. She can now, you know, take, she doesn't need you know, that validation from me. That's great. It's That's all great. that validation comes from inside of her. And she right. starts to trust herself more. And it's amazing to see how she flourishes. It's amazing to see how she makes her decisions. And well, all that she requires of me is to step back and support it. I think I think you are amazing. Uh, Thank you. Everything you say, I totally agree with. Uh, you came a long way. You sound like you're way ahead of me, even. <laughs> and, and really, I I have a hard time with relationships, and it's because of these inefficiencies I have. Mm-hmm. Like if I go to an airport, I'm lost. I don't know what's going on. If I go to a supermarket, same condition. So people look at me strange. Like you know, Bob, you're you're pretty intelligent, but. I just told you something really simple, and you don't have a clue. Mm-hmm. And that's the issue, because right away I'll freeze up. If somebody says something like that, I'll just freeze up and say, oh, uh, he, he. I'm always afraid that people will find out mm-hmm. how bad I am. Always mm-hmm. afraid of that. I, 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 I do something better. I, I, I. In Jamaica, we say we fossil, so I do it before they do. <laughs> I acknowledge it. I found that okay, if if I felt like I was keeping a secret and I would be found out, 
that just added to the anxiety, added more pressure. I'd be worried a lot more. I'd make a lot more mistakes because I became so much more conscious, self-conscious of what was happening. So instead of doing that, no, I'd be like, look, um, I I might mess this up. So just help me figure this out. Or you know what? Hey, my head is big. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm not. I'm. I'm not in the best frame of mind today. My, and my, once I put that declaration out there, people laugh because they think I'm just trying to be funny. And you know, I'm happy that no. it brings joy. But I'm really doing it because I. That's a way for me to uh, say out loud. That I'm recognizing that this is what I'm in. This is the position that I'm in. This is the state of mind that I'm in. And it calms me down. It's difficult because my daughter can't accept me. She can't. We, uh, you know, I went uh, on a car r- ride. Which she gave me a ride to my grandson's baseball game. And everything I said, she disagreed with. Mm. And even when I tried to explain it, she doesn't believe me. And I don't know how she stopped talking to me for two and a half months because I got angry one time and said something mm. I was very sorry about. But she took two and a half months to come back to me. And that's, I don't know, she has her own issues and she has to resolve her mm-hmm. own issues. But uh, so where's that concerned? Like, I can't, I can't begin to say I, I know what you feel. Um, I may be able to relate to some of it, but at the same time, like, you know, that's only you, <laughs> only yeah. you know your truth. Right. Um, but what I have used to help with that, um, because my daughter would get angry. She, she's, she's someone who internalizes, so she doesn't get verbally angry and shouts. She just cries like, <laughs> like I do. Right. Um, but we had a conversation one day and I'll never forget. And I said, you know, what, what do you expect of your mom? Like, what do you expect? I have expectations of my child, things that I would envision in my head. Um, it, it doesn't matter that it doesn't match up to the reality. Like I still have those. What do you expect of me? And she was able to share with me like, what she expected, like Mm -hmm. based on other moms that she has seen, other ways that kids interact, all the things that she would see on the television or on YouTube or whatnot. She has formulated in her mind, like that perfect mom. And, you know, we were able to over a period of time, like periodically come back to those conversations. And I'll be like, okay, well, mom's not that, right? Uh, this is this is what I can offer. I'm not perfect because usually that friction f- for people in general would come in place when it's an expectation versus reality, and that gap in the middle will show up when it's there's disappointment, when there's anger, when there's frustration because I'm not meeting what you thought I should be doing. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I would encourage you to, you know, find a way to have that conversation with your daughter to be like, I do, okay. you know, I, I had it yesterday and she just doesn't like me, basically. Yeah. Mm. That's the way I, she makes me feel like I'm a pain in the butt. 
But, you know, she feels obligated, so she drives me to the game. Mm-hmm. But I'm always the bad guy. And that's the thing that I can't seem to... Even with my other two children, they're not children. One is 38. But they don't see me as the good guy. They see me as the bad guy. And I can't turn that around. No matter what I do, they always... It's those three against me, always. Mm. So if I say something, the other two will disagree. The third one will come in and say, you know, I disagree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So I make a lot of mistakes, but I do and that because I'm, a, I'm afraid. to stop, right? Sometimes it's just, okay, I'm sorry you feel that way. Yeah, Instead I'm, bit, I'm just afraid. As well, I need to approve that I'm really not that. I need to I need to explain. No, I need you to understand. Like where people are committed to misunderstanding you, they're committed to keeping within their view of what you are or what they believe you are. I I don't challenge them. And it's painful when it's family, of course. Like that very, hurts a lot. Very painful. And time is fleeting. Like it's you don't have an endless resource of no. that. But I know, if I know that what I'm giving you is the best version of me, and I also know that you're committed to whatever old story you'd have had in your mind, whatever old experience you'd have had in your mind, I am resolute in just saying, okay, I'm sorry you feel that way. Okay. Yeah, I'm still trying. But I'm going to have to end it, unfortunately. No problem. Uh, you know what? I I probably will ask you to come on again. Awesome. I, I would love I to. Yeah, because you have some really good points. And Thank you. You express them very well, and, okay. and that's a real talent. Uh, my my biggest issue is I cannot explain myself to people. I, I, and then they find out. And they, <laughs> you know. And then I'm embarrassed, you know, well, no. you, found, you found out that I can't function no, at the airport. I, uh, it's a work in progress. In my mind, like hearing you say that just now, like just warmed my heart because mm. in my mind, I was like, I just switched stories like five times in two sentences. So it's a constant battle. It's a constant, it's a constant thing. Yeah, but a it, part it, of that is humor. Like I, I oh, laugh yeah, at myself yeah. all the I, time. If I didn't have humor and music, music, I, I, music, yeah, I, definitely yeah. helps a lot. Like I'm very eclectic, so I right. listen to everybody from Jill Scott to NF to uh, Eminem to gospel to uh, uh, I like just, I span the gamut. And when I find something I love, uh, it's, it stays on repeat. Yeah, and that's just his therapy. Oh, you know, yeah. Therapy oh, session. yeah. My husband introduced me to that guy. Oh, and I was he like, is just, he's a godsend, okay? I am so psyched be going to, you know, I'm in a walker, and I'll, I don't care. I'll go there in a wheelchair or, <laughs> or people can drag me there. This concert, <laughs> I went to a concert last year, and I wasn't as bad. And, yeah. It blew me away. I mean, it was just, just blew me away. I, I never went to any event in my life as as great as that event. Wow. Uh, you know, other than my child being born. 
Like she'll and it, it just means that, look, other people out there understand. They feel that way too. Yes. They found a way to express it. People it's express validation. it in different ways. It's and validation. And, validation. And that's, and, and that's what I need so much of. I need somebody to say, hey, Bob, it's okay that you're semi-autistic or whatever is wrong with you. Mm-hmm. That's okay. But I don't get that from my family. Mm-hmm. I only get it from an app, and, and they think I'm crazy. <laughs> you know, it's like, you like a rapper? What? How old are you? You know, I'm 63 years old. But I can't express how important mm-hmm. that that person is to mm-hmm. me. He's the reason I'm doing this. And wow. the only reason. The only reason. Wow. I said, if he could come out and tell his story and not be ashamed of it, then I could do. I could yeah. do it too. Wow. And I, That's I, I apologize to people. That's a strong statement. Yeah. Yeah. People that don't like rappers or they don't like the music, I, I encourage them to look at the lyrics. I mean, mm-hmm. it just, everything he says, mm-hmm. I'm like, because sometimes oh, yeah. you can oh, yeah. be blinded by the noise, right? A lot of people <sighs> would shy away. Like, when I first heard, like, his music, uh, if it was just for the the way in which the 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 sounds were orchestrated, then I can see how okay, this is not like my cup of tea immediately. It wasn't until like my husband um, brought me his his album. We're listening. Oh. He's like, babe, I want you to listen to this. Which one? Um, NF's um, album. Which uh, perception? The search. Oh, I don't know the name of it. Okay, right. but, Yeah, That's I don't know fine. the name of it. I'll check with him and we can talk about it on Facebook. Yeah. But yeah. it wasn't until I sat down and I was like, oh, wow, like, that's deep. Or, like, that's dope. Or, like, yo, that's... I never thought about putting it that way. That you realize that there's more to it than just yeah. than just that. He'll just say, oh, uh, I'm a weirdo and my crowd of listeners and fans are weirdos. But it's okay, because we'll be outcasts. It's, it's okay. okay. And, and he means it. That's, he's genuine. Now, I don't know how you find a genuine person. I, I have a hard time with that. Mm-hmm. My sister is a saint. But a lot of people are just not that nice. Mm-hmm. And I have trouble, especially with those types of people. But I try. I try so hard. I see your time, Bob. You're doing a good job. Like Uh, your conversations with people and how they one feel so open with you to share, you know, these personal bits. These are deep personal challenges and um, you know, victories and losses that you are going through by yourself. I have had people say to me. That was like therapy, but we, what we, you know, after the show, they would say, oh, that was like therapy for me. It is. Yeah. It, it very much is because sometimes it's, you don't review something until you're doing it hindsight. Like in preparation for this conversation, I sat down and I, I wrote in my journal, I was like, okay, what's the story I want to tell about myself? And I know the story. I've mm-hmm. spoken about it multiple times. Mm-hmm. But just to be able to, like, review and revise, like, it stirred up a lot of things. So even in talking about that with you, I was like, oh, wow. 
Like, I didn't even realize that. Oh, wow. Mm. Like, that's the part that I missed. Yeah. So every time you retell the story, there's one little nugget that's like, as you progress in life and as you experience more things, you are able to view it differently. Yeah. And that's important. I just try to reach people because uh, 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 I know the pain, I know the suffering, and mm-hmm. it's not necessary. You don't need to suffer. You, mm-hmm. I mean, there's medication, there's therapy, there's meditation, there's writing in a journal, there's stopping the thought, there's all sorts of things. So I found this quote um, that it's from Mindset Therapy that gives like six things that you can do to help you to feel more grounded, help you to feel more connected. And if, you know, if you are kind of worried about where to start, you can do any of these things. It says to improve your mood, exercise. Mm-hmm. To think more clearly, meditate. Mm-hmm. To understand the world, read. Mm-hmm. To understand yourself, write. To help people, help yourself. And to learn faster, have fun. And this is something that's cheap, if not free, with the exception of buying the book. Um, This is something that you can do every day. This is something that you can do for as little as one minute. A five-minute walk around the block, that's exercise. A two-minute just sitting down, you don't have to, you know, be all zen with your hands, but you can just sit down and just be present. A, a two-minute jot writing, you can take your pen and pencil, but you can also put it in a sticky note in your phone, being present and connected with how you feel. One sentence, you know, a reading a book, a going to the bookstore and, and picking out the book that's weirdest to you and starting there. It gives you an opportunity to expand the scope of how you see things. It gives you an opportunity to see things from a different perspective. Thank you so much for everything you've said. Uh, You express it better than I do. NF expresses it better than anybody I know. And, And it's difficult for me to come on and do these shows. I get very nervous. And, but I have to do it. I feel I have to do it because I was given a break. Okay. I was given enough medicine to make me feel happy at times. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's a miracle because I was never happy. And mm-hmm. the only happiness I ever had was looking back because in my childhood, it wasn't so bad. And, and also, with my kids are growing up, when you look back, I don't know if it's true for you, but I, it is for me. I don't have the depression when I look back. I look mm-hmm. back and I see the purity of the moment and that I don't have the depression. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm still, you know, work in progress. But I have to try to get this word out that people can help themselves. Mm-hmm. They can recover. And uh, you're just a beautiful person. I'm so glad we met. Thank you. And uh, we got to keep in touch. Uh, Is there anything other? Can you tell us more about your podcast? 
And yes. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm Jamaican, born and raised. It's in my veins. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> so um, a part of this journey was recognizing that, you know, like you, other people go through that too. But oftentimes, whenever you're reading a book, it's from like a memoir or a bio of someone who is now a millionaire and who has made it, but not those who are still just like five steps ahead. They haven't gotten to that point yet. They're everyday people. And I wanted to be able to um, share that with people. So I started this series called Come Make We Talk. And it's in English, it's Come Let's Talk. And we talk to people, we have conversations and I you know, pretty much do the same thing that we do here and just have conversations about childhood and some of the lessons that they've learned and tips that they have used to keep themselves on the right path, on a good path, and what that now looks like. So it's it's available on podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. And if you want to watch it on YouTube, you could just look for my channel, Shanique Campbell, and then you'll be able to see what that environment was like during the conversation. It's awesome. Um, <clears throat> I leave knowing something new about myself every time just by virtue of hearing how other persons have experienced life and things that they may have done to, you know, reinforce that self-worth and to take themselves to a new level. And, you know, I really, really, really enjoy it. Do you have a, any kind of website or you, met, uh, you want to give them a Facebook or anything like that? So uh, I'm not very active on social media. Okay. I probably should That's do probably that. Better um, for you. But you can, you know, follow me on Instagram. I post, I repost lots of memes from other people that okay. are just bringing joy to your day. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also post when I put new episodes out so that persons can just check in um, as they need to. Okay, great. Thank you so much. For doing Thank the show and being so terrific. Uh, I really appreciate it. You're one it. of Thank my you best guests. So. All right. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. You Bye-bye. Okay. That's Shane Campbell. Very interesting guest from Jamaica. She lives here now. Um, I think there was a lot of things that came out of that. One of those, just that Jamaica is a little backwards and mental health care it seems which is a shame that's what we're trying to fight here on OTR to bring more awareness to the stigma that is mental illness and it shouldn't have a stigma okay you know the drill I'm at over the rainbow bob at gmail.com that's over the rainbow bob at gmail.com, and my Twitter feed is over the rain one bow. And then on Facebook and Instagram, you can catch me at OTR Achieving Mental Health for Real. Don't forget to go to YouTube, check it out. If you like it, subscribe. If not, we'll continue with these great broadcasts. I should have a couple more coming up soon. And it's been a a long episode, so I'll let you guys go. Have a very good night.